0: we mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 348 of X-Lapsed, where we are continuing along with uh, a, a a Dark Horse miniseries here. I mean, this is a, a miniseries when it was first announced. Boy, I wasn't sure what to think. Um, I mean, a story about Sabretooth. Who, who could... <laughs> I mean, aren't we all too, like, smart and cool for that? Uh, turns out, no. No. Um, this has actually been... Quite a wonderful surprise, um, and, uh, you know, this whole era of X-Books has kind of been full of that, you know, full of these wonderful little surprises that we weren't expecting, we didn't see them coming, we had books like Cable and Hellions promoted, and we were just like, huh, what, what, what can that be, and, uh, we were, blown, we were blown away by both of them, so, here's another, here's another for that pile. Now, um, not to put the cart before the horse here, there isn't going to be a whole heck of a lot to say about this one. This is very much a middle chapter. Um, We're doing a little bit of uh, looking back to establish things, we're looking forward. It's very much a middle chapter. So, um, we'll go through it, we'll say what we have to say, but uh, I don't think this will be a terribly long discussion. And of course, that's not to say that I didn't like it, because uh, cart before the horse, I, I very much did. So, let's hop on in. This is Sabretooth, Volume 4, Number 3. Had a June 2022 cover date, the story's called Whisper Campaign. Written by, and I wish I could figure out how to say this fellow's name, uh, Victor Lavalle or Lavelle, uh, One of those. Aunt Leonard Kirk. Colors Rain Barretto. Letters VCs Corey Petit. Designs Muller and Bowen. Edits Amaro White-Zabulski. Cover price $3.99. This one went on sale, allegedly, April 27th of 2022. Now, we start with, but the cover is, yeah, the cover's not terribly noteworthy. Um, we've got Sabretooth looming in the background as his exiles are tangled in the undercarriage of Krakoa. Roots, vines, all that sort of stuff. Now, we open this sucker up, and we are presented with a mostly blank quote page. Now, it's a uh, quote from Thomas Paine, who who opines on whether or not we should trust those who aren't accountable to anybody. Which, hmm. Well, that kind of sounds like uh, government, at least a couple branches of it, doesn't it? Um, Now, this quote is from The Rights of Man from 1791. And Payne was saying this in regards to the House of Lords. But, I mean, 1791 or 2022, it's a quote that never seems to go out of style. Now, we open with Melter, and he is in Flashback Land. Now, this takes us back to a very early appearance of his back in Dark Reign, Young Avengers number 4. November 2009 cover date, where he recalled accidentally having killed his parents with his mutant ability, or I guess in the Araco term, mutant weapon. Uh, Then we get a shot from Dark Rain Young Avengers number one, July 2009 cover date, where he accidentally kills an old woman. Now these sins were absolved, right? Professor X made that whole tabula rasa invite to the mutants here. Everybody was given amnesty, a clean slate. So he is... This this can't be held against him, right? But then, we jump ahead to the start of his crimes, which ultimately got him sent into the pit. And just like he said last issue, he was practicing his powers. You know, he was. We see him here practicing his melting ability somewhere off the beaten path on Krakoa. And of course, this is uh, this falls into the file of uh, disrespecting the sacred land and all that. Now, as he plays. He's confronted by Professor X, and he comes with a warning. Now, you see, he doesn't seem all that bothered by the fact that Melter is practicing. And that, yeah, there's a bit of collateral damage. Um, Well, there is collateral damage, of course. Krakoa actually has to go into overdrive, absorbing life energies of, you know, mutants around the island to repair itself. He's, you know, destroying boulders and all that. And, I mean, Xavier's not happy about that, but it is very much the lesser of Melter's crimes in this situation. You see the real crime is that Melter, is that Xavier can read Melter's mind. And he knows that the kid was only screwing around here in hopes of locating the Quiet Council meeting place so he might listen in. And I hmm, I didn't realize the Quiet Council's location was a secret. Is has that been established? Am I just really, really dense? Has it you know, I, I don't know that it wasn't, I don't know that it was. So um I guess we'll just uh I guess we'll just play the ball where it lay. Anyway, Xavier gives young Christopher his one and only warning To, you know, knock it off Which, um, in fairness, is more than most seem to get nowadays Uh, From here we get our double-page spread of roll call and cred Our characters today include Sabretooth, Mole, Oya, Third Eye, Professor X, Necra, Melter, and Madison Jeffries Back to comics, and we are back to the pit penitentiary our exiles are rowing away from the jail on a raft crafted out of the corpse of the cor- corpses of the Quiet Council. And it's a pretty striking little image. And, like, it's it's one that you might miss if you're not paying attention. You know, it just looks like they're on a raft. But when you pay closer attention, you'll see, like, Magneto is part of it. Xavier's a part of it. it. It's pretty cool. Uh, now, as they raft away, they chat about the Anglins and Morris Alcatraz escape from 1962. Sabretooth tells of his time in the pit where he imagined himself in space. Now, it turns out, while his mind wandered, he was actually able to manifest something of a physical form topside. The plants actually took his shape, and we saw this, and we were confused by this. It was a little blip back in Sabretooth number one, which was episode 322, if you're interested. Vic's plan here is for them to all try and get themselves topside to chat up some of his old allies from the Legacy Marauders. Now, I don't think he knows that, outside of Grey Crow, they're all dead after the opening arc of the Hellions, unless they've been brought back at some point. I mean, who knows, right? Anyway, we jump ahead to Necra and Oya having made it topside. Now, they've been tasked with tracking down Scrambler. Oya has taken the form of sand, Necra of stone. Now, they chat about how much they probably shouldn't trust Sabretooth, which, no duh. They also talk about having worked together before their trip into the pit. You see, they both killed on their nation's behalf, which I'm guessing we'll learn more about as this series continues. Anyway, they don't find Scrambler because Scrambler is dead. Instead, they find Bling. Now, Bling says that uh, everybody is getting ready for the gala, because, of course they are. It's worth noting, since time is all wonky in the underneath, I'm not totally sure if Bling is talking about the first gala or the upcoming one. I'm also not sure it matters. Um, also, uh, Bling says that uh, Oya and Necra have been declared missing. and uh, But since they haven't found their bodies, they can't be resurrected. Oya tells her that they've been tried and sentenced in a secret court. And that's all Bling needs to hear, and she wants to help out her uh, mutant sisters any way she can. And it's worth noting here that um, it looks like Oya and Necro were, like... Maybe, like, Krakoan Coast Guard? Like, they would take a boat and patrol the entire island? Because that's what Bling is doing now, too She's patrolling this entire island, looking for the bodies of Oya and Necra, Probably among other things Which, if we jump back to Marauders Volume 2, Number 1 Doesn't really jive with the fact that there's, like, this whole part of Krakoa that the island itself doesn't know about Like, if we have a Coast Guard... It would stand to reason that they circle the island. And, um, I don't know how they would miss a whole other section of Krakoa. But, I know, I know, Chris problems. It's not like these books are taking place in the same universe, right? Who knows? Anyway, next stop, Mole's house. He's met by Third Eye, who has taken the form of Wood. Now, he was sent off to locate the Marauder Vertigo. Now, this clears up some of our, or at least some of my, confusion from last issue. Now, Third Eye, upon arrival, assumes that he'd last spoken to Mole just the day before. But he's informed that it was actually quite a long time ago, which makes Mole's meeting with Apocalypse last issue make a little bit more sense, or a lot more sense, actually. Anyway, Mole tells Third Eye that he tried to spread the word, but ain't nobody gonna listen to him. And we get a bit of a, and this is something that I alluded to last time we talked about Sabretooth. It's almost like word for word what I said, um... He says that all mutants are created equal, but some mutants are more equal than others. I mean, that's something we've talked about before. That's something that's been kind of looming, not large, looming little in the background of these books here. Uh, We talked about it uh, most notably during the Shadow King's Irregulars story arc in New Mutants, where we compared the, um, the equalness of the pretty mutants, you know, the ones that could pass for human and those who could not and uh you know we were we were getting into the build up to the first gala where it was all glamorous and fabulous and you know these amazing amazing in quotes <laughs> um outfits and then we'd see characters like Cosmar, Boy and Anole and how they really can't enjoy the same sort of i don't want to use the word privilege but uh, they can't they they can't enjoy the same sort of um uh, malleability and uh, passability, as some of their peers, who, you know, clearly, some are more equal than others. From here, we shift scenes and join Box, who's looking for Prism, but instead finds Jesse de Young's pal, Skin. Holy cow, Skin, how about that? Uh, now, Jeffries has taken the form of microplastics, which has kind of been his gimmick for uh, for a couple of issues now. Now he tells Angelo about everything that's going on. Then, while well, things get a little weird. We shift scenes into the quiet council chamber where Melter is stood in the middle of the council tables. He's approached by a very hairy-handed Professor X. Now, it's actually Sabertooth just screwing with Melter's mind, trying to break him down. Now you see, Melter, in spite of all of this, in spite of the fact that he was... Tried and sentenced and sent into the pit He seems to still believe In Professor X and Krakoa And I mean, he he says exactly that So I guess there's really no seems about it He does believe in Professor X and Krakoa And so Creed eviscerates him And we head over to the Feral Council for a chat And the Feral Council, of course, is the Council of Creeds Sabertooth, uh, aka the Beast the businessman, aka the captain. We also have the kid and the cat. Now the captain lays it all out. The plan here is to take Krakoa down by spilling the beans about the pit, and also try to kill any confidence in the quiet council's role. Top side we can see some of our pals attempting to spread the word of the exiles. We got Skin at the Green Lagoon chatting up Blob. Bling is talking to Shark Girl and Marrow, and Mole is underground talking to some of the Forgottens, which I thought all the undergrounders were playing golf in Rio Verde. I don't know, maybe there are sects of them. Maybe they have to take turns. I don't know. Anyway, from here we hop into an info page where the captain gives us a bit more of his rationale. He talks about the CCF, which was an anti-communist campaign group that had been funded by the CIA. And maybe we'll, maybe as this series continues, we'll be able to draw more parallels um, between that and what's going on. Anyway, we wrap up the issue with uh, Melter's tangled-up self reaching out and letting loose a blast of his melty mutant weapon. Third Eye delivers the commentary here, and he suggests that the kid is looking for a leader, and perhaps that leader is Creed. Well, Third Eye is wrong about this, because as mentioned, the kid, he's not a fan of Creed. He still believes in Professor X. And we close out with Creed getting melted down to his very Next time out, we're going to be hopping into the um, alleged flagship book, uh, Adjectiveless X-Men. I think it's number number 9 or number 10. One of those. I don't know. It's been a long time, hasn't it? But uh, for now, let's talk a little bit about this issue here, which... This is one of those times where there's a lot that we could say. There are a lot of weeds we can get deep into, uh, making some real-world comparisons uh we won't do that <laughs> we're uh we might butt up against some of it but we're not going to really uh go as deep as we we possibly could um let's start by talking about nebulous laws or nebulous mutant laws in this case uh a law and and this is something that we kind of explored during wave of x where these laws are they're very poorly worded, right? We got the—we only have three laws for Krakoa, and they—they're—you know—they're subject to. Uh, well, I mean, they're subjective. That's probably the best way to say it. We have one that is respect this sacred land. Which feels like one of them slippery slopes that could be reframed on a case-by-case basis. Now that is problematic, but it's a wonderful angle. To explore, right? I mean, this plays into the not all mutants are equal, or mu- certain mutants are more equal than others. Here, in that you know, certain mutant. We've seen destruction on the island, right? We've seen people practice. We've seen things happen. We saw, I believe, we saw in New Mutants, uh, one of the habitats was destroyed by some like bullies. And they weren't sent to the pit, as far as I know. Instead, they were just bullied into uh, repairing stuff by magic. but here we've got a kid who for you know for, uh, at, at face value here he is practicing his mutant powers here. Of course Xavier he could use this as an entry point and be like, hey here's a warning you know be careful don't don't disrespect this land and oh by the way, while I've been watching you I've also been reading your mind and I know what you're really up to. And I think, I mean, there is a lot of talk in the real world about thought crimes and, and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, we could even get, uh, precious and extreme with the whole, you know, would you, you know, would you snuff out whoever in a crib if you knew what they were going to do or if you were there, if you had the opportunity. This feels like, uh, a very odd slope to slide down. And I think that's the point. I think that's the point. And, uh... And I look forward to seeing, I think, I don't remember which issue or which episode it was Where we talked about how, I think it might have just been a passing mention About how, you know, Krakoan government, as it were, is really just a house of cards, right? It's just a stiff breeze, a stiff wind, a sneeze can knock it over Because they're really, it's like, you know, it's like one of those things where like If you're in an airplane and you you realize that you think to yourself that the air, the plane is only in the air because you think it can be in the air. If you stop thinking it could be in the air, you're going to crash because there's really no way a plane should be in the air. Of course, you know, physics is physics, but it's like if you think that this government's going to work, it works. But if you start to think about how it isn't working, or it isn't working in your, uh, in your best interests, or perhaps could be working better than... It's, you know, fait accompli, right? It, do, it doesn't work. It falls apart. There are no elections here. Nobody's been placed into power by the people. People have just taken the power, and they've done whatever they, whatever they want to do with it. Of course, they, they think they're doing it in the best interests of, of, the, of the people, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're arresting a kid for trying to find out where a meeting place was that a, a lot of people have been to already. You know, Captain America and the Avengers have been there. They were there during the trial of Magneto. It it doesn't look like it's too top-secret a place, unless maybe for the rank and file it's top-secret, whereas if you are someone who's part of a team, you are cool to come and go as you please. I I really don't know, but uh, I do like the angle we're playing here. I like how these laws are, are nebulous, because... I mean, we could draw a lot of real-world comparisons here Where the law can be, you know, quote-unquote, just But maybe not necessarily be fair Um, And we'll we'll leave that, we'll put a pin in that We won't uh, dig all that much deeper Um, I like the fact that our nebulous timeline is starting to make a little bit more sense here Um, Seeing Mole talk to Apocalypse last time You see, this is a big problem with a line of books that is quite this bloated When I saw Mole talking to Apocalypse, my first thought was, hey, the editors don't talk to each other. The books don't talk to each other. Instead of, hey, maybe this is happening before X attends. That's a problem that we've been trained that way. You know, we've been trained to think that these these editors and these creators don't care about what's going on in the other books because there have been so many errors, have been so many blips. It really goes to show that the editorial team has not they do not they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt which is unfortunate seeing as though this is at the end of the day a product that they are getting paid to produce and we are paying for the privilege of reading so my you know your first <laughs> i would hope that our first instinct would be like okay this is going to make sense but i mean i can only speak for myself my first instinct is oh they screwed up and that's uh, that's not that's not a good thing Um, let's get into some dicier territory here, very, very briefly. Now, there is that mostly blank quote page that we opened with, the Thomas Paine quote. Um, commentary on unelected officials. Especially those who are responsible for making, passing, and upholding laws. Now, in current year, current month, that's something we could go very deep into the weeds on, but we won't. Now, all I will say is that if you have unelected officials who are accountable to absolutely nobody, who are in no risk of being removed from their position, they seem to fall in and out of fashion dependent on whatever their last ruling was. Politically, as a people, we're generally split on the idea. Uh, Unless, of course, they're making decisions that we personally agree with. Sometimes we're for them, sometimes we're against them Sometimes we think that there should be other practices put in place Sometimes we think everything's working just fine It really just depends on if the last decision they made, the last law they passed Is one that jives with us personally Now, I'm going to guess that this commentary and quote is not intended to be a direct comparison To anything going on in the real world right now It's kind of like that Russia thing, where it's more a result of timing uh, convenient or inconvenient timing, depending on your point of view Than anything else And I think I've made it pretty clear where I stand On the idea of political commentary in comics here I I mean, I see I see the impetus for it I see the desire to explore it But uh, at the end of the day, I don't know that it adds a whole lot I think... Um, I think so many of our writers lack the tact and respect for uh, dissenting opinions to properly address uh, dicier, spicier issues without broad sweeping statements about the ignorance, stupidity, or evilness of anybody who happens to be on the other side of the debate. And um, like I always say, uh, this industry is getting smaller by the minute. And if the people putting these books together can't simply respect the fact that people may have different opinions on different things, I mean, you don't have to agree, you don't have to respect the opinion itself, but maybe just understand that uh, respect is a two-way street. And um, as comic fans, we may not have a whole lot in common, but one thing we do have in common is that uh, we want comics to come out forever. (laughs) You know, we want this industry to continue. We want to be able to discuss and, and love these characters and these stories. And unfortunately, too many things get in the way of that. But um, that's where I'll leave it. I, I mean, I don't take any kind of position on um, things going on here. I think uh, so much of what's going on in the world right now is um, it's complicated, very complex. Not something that I can formulate an opinion on in, in a single sentence. Uh, There's a lot to take into account with a lot of things. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't even know that I have a point anymore, and, and honestly, I'm not even sure what I'm talking about anymore. Um, all else I can say is, uh, hey, uh, be cool to one another, respect one another. Uh, we're all here together. We all love comics. Um, and we all want to see comics continue into the future. Uh, I don't know if Marvel and DC want to see comics continue into the future. I think they're enjoying making really awful movies, but... Uh, Personally speaking, I, I'd i like the focus to go back on comics. But um, I think that's about all I have to say here. Really enjoyed this issue, really enjoying this series, and I would love to hear if you are enjoying this series, and perhaps this issue in particular. It invites a whole lot of interesting questions here about the nature of government, the nature of law. And to this point, at least to me, though I am rather dense, is uh, delivering it with a nuance and subtlety, which I always appreciate. So, um, your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. You can reach me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You could shoot me an email at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. Instagram, 90sXmen. Uh, the voicemail is 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrissoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook. The group is 90sXmen. Of course, the complete audio archives are available anywhere you find noise, or if you go directly to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. But I think that's going to do it for today. I'd like to thank you so much for allowing me to occupy your ear for a half hour today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.